All right. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Today, you're going to get to hear from Laura Johnson, sat down and interviewed her for almost two hours. Man, well, we separated this into two episodes for that reason, but I promise they are worth it. You want to listen. Um, Laura is a runner, physical therapist, and business owner as well. So we really connect on on a lot of areas, but I think one of the reasons, you know, that we chatted for a while and that there was so much to share is that we do have so much in common um, and just a, our running history and things we've learned from running. It's just, just a lot out there. So on a personal level, I really enjoyed getting to chat with her and, and get to know and get to know her story. Um, but this first episode that you're going to listen to really dig into her, her running background, how she got into running, what led her into running, kind of her whole journey into running and, and the lessons along the way. You're going to get to hear about an, a big event that led to running and really it might not have gone that way if it hadn't. You're going to get to hear a little bit about her injury history and you're going to start to get to hear about her journey into having a healthier mindset around running and the way we think about running, even while going, or in a result, I guess, of going after bigger goals and where she's at today. So i um, super excited for you to dig into this one. Again, this is episode one, and um, stay tuned for episode two with Laura Johnson. All right, we'll see you inside. So one day, I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your breaking five moment whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their breaking five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right, so we are live with Laura Johnson today. Um, she is coming to us from Boulder, Colorado. Laura is a physical therapist at Yellow Brick Physical Therapy. Um, and I have known Laura for almost two years. Um, we have had some interactions. I don't know her super well, but I have been inspired by her running journey. And I'm super excited to get to know more about it today. So Laura, thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Kristen. It's really great to be here. Um, and talking to another fellow PT and runner, I think sounds like we have a lot in common in our life's journeys in both aspects. So yes, yes. And we actually just talked for like 50 minutes before this interview. So (laughs) we'll have lots to talk about too for this. So, um, yeah, so to start off, I thought it would be fun for you if you don't mind just giving us, well, one, just a little bit background about who you are and what you do. But then really um, give us a little bit of information on your running journey, um, as much or as little as you want, and then we'll dig into it some more. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I guess professionally I'll start. I have, um, I've been through a lot of of journey with school (laughs) and running simultaneously, but on the school side of things, I, um, uh, well, kept getting farther and farther from home. I'm in Boulder now, and I grew up in Colorado, but I went to um, school in Nebraska, a smaller school where I ran cross country and track. And um, out of a pre-med or pre-health track, I made an exercise science major and was the first um, person at that school, to my knowledge, to have that major, which sounds kind of cool. And just <laughs> last year or a couple years ago, I went back to speak to students there because they now have a whole human performance um, department. So that's really that's exciting. Awesome. And then after that, I went to Wake Forest University in North Carolina straight away to get a master's in health and exercise science. So I had a very clinically based background working in cardiac, we staffed the cardiac rehab program as students and um, did a lot with research studies and also taught undergrad classes in um, exercise science 101. And I also had one season of, uh, that I had a red shirt indoors track season in <laughs> undergrad. And so I got to use that um, during my, my first year in grad school at Wake Forest. So I kind of went from a really small school to getting to run the 800 on the indoor track um, for one bonus season in grad school. So that That's was awesome. really fun. 
and this cool loophole I got to um, use to be able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, it, and it was what I was used to in school for me to be, um, you know, that structure of athletics was part of what I did. So it was really nice. I also got to travel to the schools in the area in North Carolina and it made a, for a, a really cool experience overall there. And then straight away after that, I moved to Boston and um, worked in clinical exercise research at Boston University Medical Campus or Center. And I worked, I was the project manager or research coordinator for a smoking cessation study in women that use exercise and the nicotine patch to help women quit smoking oh, wow. and, uh, and begin an exercise program. So that was really a really fascinating way to work with a different kind of clinical population um, to really be in the research process, conducting graded exercise stress tests, so VO2 max stress tests, um, granted on sedentary smokers, not running runners, so it's a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> and help people um, start an exercise program and some counseling based part of that um, that study too. And, and then um, while in Boston, I started to train with the Boston Athletic Association. Um, they're the ones who put on the Boston Marathon. So I got real close and tight with Boston Marathon and it was really, that's awesome. that's a, I went from 800 right in grad school <laughs> and 5K cross country to um, marathon in Boston. And actually the Boston Marathon was my first official marathon and I don't think many people can say that so no kind of... <laughs> not at all it's not for the first one <laughs> so I start yeah so I got the my crash course with marathoning marathon training uh in Boston which is actually a really cool novel way to train with running that I hadn't really experienced before so I really liked the novelty of it and then um I wasn't ready to leave Boston yet I ended up going back to PT school for my doctorate in physical therapy at Massachusetts General Hospital Institute of Health Professions in Boston and they're affiliated with MGH, the hospital there, and a lot of other wonderful, um, you know, uh, clinics and hospitals in the area. So it's a really, really great educational program and system. And somewhere along the way during that time, during my internship, I had my best marathon um, <laughs> races and times. And I don't know how I did it all when That's I look crazy. back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then at the, the end of that, I, um, I actually ended up moving back to Colorado. I didn't know that I would do that, but um, just uh, that was kind of the, an option and took it and got closer to family again and then moved to Boulder, started my own physical therapy practice, something I had forgotten I always wanted to do thanks to my running connections and running community, which is interesting to see. And then, uh, and so then I was out of school and I was like, okay, I'm going to train hard now. Now they kind of free and I'm really going to go for it. And I was at this level where I could go for the Olympic trials qualifier and I really wanted that. So I started to train with some really um, powerful and well-known coaches and people in Boulder because Boulder is a Mecca for Olympians. And so Olympians show up to your workouts and it's kind of this next level, which I loved. And it drove me to be really busy. I was working in five places, my clinic, personal training at a gym students and running coaching um, uh, per, for personal um, clients and also working at a mentor's clinic. So I just got kind of run down doing all these things and uh, found myself taking, I was asked to work in a, a physiatrist's own clinic. They, have a, they had a PT department kind of on the side of that. And I um, did that, got a little more grounded, a little more stable, made some transitions in myself and my, my running too, and then came back out again and started my own practice, Yellow Brick Physical Therapy, and finally just got some yes. awesome hats. Local Boulder Company. She's holding up her cool new hats right now. If you're listening to this on the podcast the, later, I don't know about everywhere, but in Boulder, trucker hats are definitely the, the trail They're runners. The cool hat. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember that from being out west. Yeah, no, I could see that. No, but wow, yeah. So that was like. That's awesome. That's a lot of um, a lot. like a background I didn't even know that you have. I knew you had gone to a decent amount of school though, but it was even a process till you got to PT school. You would definitely have a pretty vast background um, before even getting there. So, yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. And then you look back over it. Sometimes I forget all those pieces. Um, yeah. And I always like to, to know or see that um, it's been useful that it's all kind of fits together for me. Yeah. Um, exercise science and clinical populations and physical therapy and running, it's all really been all the pieces that I put together to do what I do now. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I definitely, one of the big things I want to dig into with Laura is she has a pretty um, cool running history and more so, you know, a lot of lessons that can be learned. But before we get into more of that, why don't you take us back to when you started running? I guess I don't really even know that. Was it in high school? Like, how did you get started running? Um, And then kind of bring us through the journey of going on to running college. And then we'll get onto your, you know, your more quest after that for the Olympic trials and, and so forth. Yeah, it's fun to think back to. I um, was a soccer player from the age of first grade. And I'd say that was kind of my primary sport all the way along. Um, Soccer, picked up basketball like in middle school and then continued on um, with soccer in club and travel, like a travel team. And then started cross country in eighth grade. For me, um, high school was 10 through 12. So eighth and ninth was junior high. So in eighth grade, I, I... Went out for cross country, I think because my sister had done so and my dad had run track and I thought, okay, and I I liked running in soccer. I was one of those like up for running all the time and wanted to play the whole game and (laughs) midfield because I got to do like all the positions and I was actually played a lot of center midfield and wing. And um and I like to credit soccer. I think soccer made me into a really good runner. (laughs) Yeah. I think soccer players make the best runners for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then, and so in, 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 I have to say, in eighth grade cross country, there were five of us on our team, like two girls and three boys, I think. But, um, and at that time, the boys and girls ran the races together. So in high school, they separated the boys and girls, and in junior high, they ran us all at once, but then, and then the high schools ran after us. But I was the first girl in a lot of those races, and it was like, you know, the, the guys would be like, oh no, and I kind of, be, it was just, there was something fun <laughs> about that, getting to beat the boys and, um, and hang with the boys sometimes too, even in high school, as people, as upperclassmen graduated, um, like my junior and senior years, I was running with the guys or the JV guys a lot. Yeah. One of the boys, so somewhere in there. Um, I, we can come back to this. I also had a medical scare um, my sophomore year in high school oh, that took me out of soccer because I could no longer play contact sports oh, and that um, track season. So I couldn't play soccer and I just switched to track. I was going to do both. I started off the season doing both because I, I made varsity soccer my freshman year in high school. And so I was like, okay, I won't do track. So I did like cross country basketball track. And then um, that my sophomore year, I was tr- starting to do both because I had such a successful freshman cross country season um, and sophomore year. And then this thing happened during cross country regionals, my sophomore year. And um, I found myself wound up in the hospital for like five days. And then um, this happened again in the spring. I ended up, they didn't want me to play soccer because it would risk um, internal bleeding and injury, potential big threats. So, but I was allowed to play, to do track. And I started off doing JV races and worked my way all the way up. I had like huge PRs in the 800, like five seconds off in the 800 <laughs> at the end of the season and made it to state track finals. And um, it was, I just, I look back on that as this crazy determination and it, it followed me, this tenacity that was like, um, that I kept playing out for better or worse, I would yep. say too, um, over and over again. That was a big turning point. So I no longer played soccer. And then I was really doing cross country or basketball for that matter, cross country and track. And then I knew I really wanted to do that in college because running, um, I would say, at least in my experience, compared to the soccer teams I had been a part of, the running teams and cross country was so much more um, supportive. And um, um, there was a lot more camaraderie and a lot less, I want to say, judgment or competitiveness. and so, so I enjoyed that. And I knew I had, um, enough, I don't know, it felt like I had enough skill and desire. I could do that in college. And so then, yep. so that took me to a small liberal arts college in Nebraska. So that's not that far from Colorado, by the way, <laughs> it was really small, um, past all the cornfields. Long, on the empty state. I've drove through yeah. it a few times. Yeah. yeah. About a five or six hour drive from my hometown in Northern Colorado, <laughs> which seemed like a great distance from from home and um, what I loved it. I, the te- I just clicked with the team. One of my, um, like our captain of our cross country team, my freshman year was the, like was the captain of that, t- like that team in college. So there was this interesting oh, yeah. 
Verity had and who'd been a like his there were some family friends connections there too and it just was a good fit and yeah. I loved my college experience with running and otherwise um and the full like cross country in the fall indoor track outdoor track um and yeah I ran cross country in the fall and then more middle distance in track uh, on the track all the way along like mile and half mile yeah mainly. Um, in fact, I've never run a two mile or the 5k on the track still to this day, (laughs) to this day, no two mile. Dang. I've only done one 5k on the track and it's my 5k PR. So, but yeah, one 5k, no 10ks. Nope. No. Right. I haven't done that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For me, I was like, that's a lot of laps. Two is good. Yes. But a couple of, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say like a couple important things I think to note there. One with your college experience really cool to note that, you know, it was a very positive experience for you. I know I've been asked by a number of high schoolers or even people in college and deciding not to run cross country and track that have been given the idea that, you know, um, you know, track and cross country in college um, is not necessarily a positive experience and might take away from their college, you know, experience. But I've always told them for me, it has definitely helped. Like I become a better person because of it. Like I can't imagine my experience without it. So I'm happy to know that you have had a similar experience in college. Yeah, definitely. I, I like to say it kept me out of trouble. I don't think I'm the biggest troublemaker anyway, but <laughs> yes. I have a very different college experience than a lot of people probably did. I was very focused on academics and on racing and I, I wanted to do things that would help my mile time and not hurt it. So hurt it, yeah. <laughs> and I loved the relationships and the people and the traveling on the little bus to different um, meets and getting to to do all of those things. And I yeah. still, people I know from that time, I still look back on and uh, fondly and yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really great and developed, I developed in myself a certain, um, um, well, I don't want to put this in the wrong light, but whereas a lot of freshmen, there, there's that freshman 15 kind of, you know, thing that everyone talks about, right. I felt in better shape and fitter and more confident as I went into college than I had been in high school. Yeah. And so I think that that had a lot to do with that and, and going to a school that was a really good fit for me. It was a smaller school. I felt a lot of support. I got to do both athletics and academics at a, at a high level. Um, and it, I think that for me, that would have been different at a huge school. Like when I look at CU Colorado, university of Colorado, I wouldn't have been talented enough to run there, but I'm also glad I didn't get run into the ground in college to the point where yes. I didn't want to run anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a smaller program where it's not driving you to just like bang out miles until you get injured. I didn't get, that wasn't my experience. I was motivated enough to do that myself. I didn't have that pressure from the outside. <laughs> That's right. But, I think a lot of us do. Yeah. yeah. But I appreciated um, that I, I left there still wanting to continue to run and yeah. I didn't get burned out. No, I love it. No, I just think it's good to know that, you know, not every program is going to leave you burnt off and burnt out and you can go on to keep running after college for sure. Right. right. Oh, another thing I'd love to point out about my college experience, especially in light of a lot of the um, current events that are coming forth with women being, uh, having eating disorder problems or being pressured to lose weight. I'm so grateful also that I've never felt that we, I had a upperclassmen who their example was we go into the cafeteria, we eat a ton of food, <laughs> imagine a bunch of little skinny girls or, and guys sitting around the table, like stuffing themselves full of spinach salads and chicken sandwiches <laughs> and milk and chocolate milk and ice cream, you know, uh, cones for dessert and yep. you know, really felt really healthy. Yeah. Yeah, we had a pretty good team for that too, which I was lucky. And I think I like after I left, there was maybe a few, you know, issues if you want to call it with that. But like our team when I was there, yeah, like the captains. And then once I was an upperclassman and everything, like we, it was like I think we had like clean plate club competitions when we were gone traveling. Like we definitely, definitely like to eat, so there was no, (laughs) no issues there. But that is a huge, that is a huge discussion in the running world, obviously. So right, 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 and to not be ignored. Right. Yeah, our coach likes the face style post post race places. So, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I really want to know. I mean, this is going back a little bit, but when you're talking about your your high school experience, I think it's just kind of cool too. As you know, you had that the challenge with your medical condition that really shaped you and your habits and personality going forward. It sounds like, but another cool thing that I, I think is um, you know to know is just how much 
you know, one experience can really shape our lives. Like how about that hadn't happened and you continue to play college uh, or play soccer and you went on to play soccer in college. Like how much would have that changed your life? Like, I think it's crazy how those things happen. Um, cause I had a, a similar, not medical related, but, um, you know, I played, I, I played soccer actually, but then I had to decide between that and softball and then played varsity softball in, in high school too. And then had an experience where I ended up, you know, just turning to track and cross country. I'm like, how about that hadn't happened? Like, you know, um, that my whole life would look different. So it's just kind of cool how little things like that, um, can happen sometimes, I think. That is true. I'm so glad you're pointing that out because I hadn't really considered it quite like that before, especially in the world of sport. One thing I've noticed in looking back on that time, um, it was a blood clot in my right subclavian vein that happened um, the week of cross country regionals. My arm was swelling up. I didn't know what was happening. I ran anyway. I was like, that race was awful. I feel (sighs) awful. We walked into the emergency room. But looking back on that time, um, well, I'll back up a little. I walked kind of walked into the emergency room and I, they had to, you know, do angioplasty and try to break it up with chemical, well, the balloon, balloon angioplasty, which is where they, um, you know, I like to say shove tubes and wires up your arm. Cause that's what it felt like at the time to me when I was 16. Right. You're like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> try to open up the vessel, which is what they do with heart patients to open up the arteries that are clogged in the, in the heart. But fast forward when I was in grad school at Wake Forest, working with cardiac patients, I went, Oh my gosh, I have, I kind of know what they're going through and a little fearful to go back to running or work or exercising, even though we're encouraging them to exercise, to strengthen their heart. Um, so I felt, uh, yeah, I was like, Oh, I kind of can relate to this strangely at, the, you know, yeah. Me. 20 at that time or whatever, whatever, whatever active person like that, you probably not going to be the case usually, but you happen to have this freak accident when you're younger. So yeah. Yeah. Really, really random too. I was really healthy and like, you know, kind of had definitely had a, why is this happening to me thing? I have all these aspirations. Um, but the other thing it did, um, when I look back on my career, first in exercise science and some dabbling in personal training and coaching, and then into, you know, doctor, doctoral level physical therapy. Um, I was became so fascinated in the, how the human body works and how it doesn't work and how it overcomes itself. So I, I'm at, so I have this blood clot in my right subclavian vein, which loops over under the clavicle, right? Or beneath the clavicle. And um, what they said at the time is that my first rib and clavicle or collarbone were situated just close enough together to pinch that off. Oh, geez. Right. And, but the options for me, they, they were saying is, well, we could break your clavicle to allow room for that to, to go or break, or you break your first rib, but you're going to have a deformity or we could try to place a stent. But most people who have that are older in their eighties. We don't know what the long-term effects are on someone who's 16, or we can, uh, we can help keep you on blood thinners or anticoagulants to allow a natural, uh, a, to allow collateral veins to form a natural bypass around that clot. And I went, wow. Oh, <laughs> And this is after I was landing, laying in the radiology, or a little while after, but laying in radiology lab, looking at my vasculature, you know, on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I was in AP biology that year at that time, I believe. Um, and something, yeah, something clicked in me where I was like, wow, how does the body work? And how does it overcome things? And oftentimes it doesn't. And then we have issues, right? So I had a broader, broader than PT, broader than athletic sense of like, wow, how fascinating. Yeah. And that has been a thread. I had to look back on that. I didn't see that for a while, but um, that's been a thread for me. So then in college, when I, um, you know, I, I definitely identified as an athlete in high school and in college. And when I heard about the field of exercise science, uh, well, let me back up. Initially, I was, I knew I was interested in healthcare because of what had happened um, or understanding the body, I'll just put it that way. But I then I quickly knew I didn't want to go into medicine because I don't want to prescribe medicine and I don't want to go yeah. to med school, which looks like a really stressful, unhealthy process. School was that much better. Right, right. Don't want to fool you. Yeah, but um, then I was like, oh, what a cool combination of understanding the benefits physiologically uh, and the processes physiologically of exercise. So that drove me toward that master's degree. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. Like, yeah, like what, that's just so crazy how the little list details in our life, like really add up to what becomes our life, I think. And like, who knows if you hadn't had that, would have you had as much, you know, curiosity and would have your life been, you know, gone the same way, like probably would have got there eventually, but it definitely gave you perspective. And then you're able to relate to your patients later down the road that you wouldn't have been able to, if you hadn't had that blood clot. So I think that's right. Or other injuries. Lots of injuries. Yes. Other injuries too. Yes. I know all about those too. <laughs> But, Lots of normal injuries as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So, so you ran in college. It was a positive experience. And then you ran, I know you went on and ran after college through all your schooling and through PT school. Um, and I know you really went on to really chase some big goals um, and really got pretty competitive. Um, but I really, you know, want, you know, all our listeners to, um, to hear this because I know when we haven't even gotten into it, um, between us two. So I'm, I'm excited to hear it, but, um, Laura has a really, um, interesting story and what has led her to where she is now and what, you know, she hopes to do going forward and just a lot of good lessons learned. So if you don't mind going into your post-collegiate running story, um, and then we'll kind of go into, yeah, where you, yeah, we'll start there. (laughs) Yeah. Feel free to interject if I, 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 There's a lot of story in there, I guess, that I'm finding. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly a little bit from what we were just saying about injury. Um, An experience I had in college was one that really showed me how um, setbacks can be blessings in disguise. So that was a first experience I had of that, that fluke, you know, blood clot. Yeah. Life-threatening. At the, yeah, the time it could have embolized to my heart and lungs. So that was a big (laughs) <laughs> which I l- later learned through P- in PT school more about. Um, <laughs> You're like, oh, this is scary. Realized, oh, that was a really big threat. Okay. Um, but in college, in my sophomore year in college, I had a stress fracture in my calcaneus, so in my heel bone. For those of you less anatomy oriented um, <laughs> than Kristen, um, and I spent the whole indoor track season in the pool. So I pool ran and, and in the weight room and I did all the workouts that my team was doing, uh, like on the track or outside. I did all those in the pool by myself. Our college didn't have a swim team. We had a pool that wasn't regulation size, so they couldn't have a swim team. I was in there like at six 30 in the morning and at four o'clock PM, um, <laughs> by myself in the winter in January, and I'm crutching around campus. Cause I was in a cast and then a, a walking boot and on crutches to stay non staring. <laughs> Um, so, but I was really determined to be able to come back out for outdoor season and have the fitness and be able to have a full outdoor season. I had this sense of like, I don't want to waste any college time that I have. Um, but I, uh, that, so that season, so I spent the whole season in the pool and came out for outdoor season, but, um, fast forward, that's why I was able to run indoor track in grad school. Oh yeah. Because I had that injury. That's right. And that, that bonus season at a D, Division One ACC school in North Carolina was like, wow, I never expected that that would be a possibility. Right. And, um, it was a really great bonus season. And I actually had my indoor 800 PR that year. Okay. Um, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Which was my 800 personal best, um, even though it was that's indoors. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you just never know. And yeah. a lot of times that rest can, um, force rest can, and shifting focus can really be of benefit and make you stronger and healthier later. Yep. Yeah. So I then, learned to appreciate it more too. And yeah, and, yeah, you know, instead of just getting stuck in that routine. <laughs> right. And so I entered into grad school, that master's program <clears throat> with like the first fall season where I didn't have cross country and it was so bizarre to me to like not. <laughs> training but it, so then it was nice to get to go into track season and, and have that and then ha- have the access to the coaches and people and run unattached outdoor season and things like yeah. that and then I had some other injuries and and after that I think I started to delve into longer races I did my first half marathon while I was there on the road um I don't think I'd ever run more than like 11 miles before <laughs> that, something of that nature and then <laughs> yeah I was going to say, isn't it crazy to think back to like, I feel like any of us that come from like the running background of in high school and college, like we don't really run, you know, I mean, tons and tons of miles, but then the general running community usually starts, not starts off, that might be exaggeration, but like the marathon's the biggest thing in like doing tons of miles. It's just, yeah, interesting. I would, I would suggest for most people out there to start with a 5k rather than a good place to start. (laughs) <laughs> you do not need to be like everyone else and do 
marathon. Don't do that straight off the bat. No. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that until much, much later. So, yes. so after so I had that season, I started to dabble in some other races just on the road, right? And um, less track my second year there. Um, I was doing a like a master's thesis defense and things. And then I moved to Boston and uh, saw my, let's see, I moved to Boston and then I ended up running, this is, this is a whole story in itself, but I went to spectate at the Disney marathon, my first, like probably six months into being in Boston. Okay. And I went with the uh, boyfriend at the time to spectate his race. I end up on the bus to the 5k fun run the day before that I was going to run. And, um, this woman on the bus was like, I'm sick. I'm not going to run. You should take my number and run with him as long as you want. And I, oh. <laughs> what if I did that so the day before I'm like, do I have clothes? Okay. Yeah. I have some, I have shorts and I have a tank top I can wear. And someone w went and got like, um, throwaway clothes at the store. And I end up running, um, the Disney marathon in 2006, the not having ever run more than 13 miles before in my life. I don't do not recommend running a marathon that way. It was really sore. But anyway, so I'm, I'm running, he was trying to make a Boston qualifier because he lived in Boston for a couple of years and but with, with a, like a charity training group. And so I'm running with the men's qualifying pace group. So the 310 pace group. Okay. Um, <laughs> never ran. We get to, we get to miles. Okay. What's up? I was just saying, never ran over what you said, 13 miles 13, at this point. Yeah. So <laughs> just jumping in, see what happens. I'm like, I'll stop. If I need so we get halfway and my friend, he's like, you know, if you go, um, he was a math whiz. He's like, you know, if you go to 16 with us at our pace, you'll have over an hour and something to do the last 10 miles still under the women's qualifying time for Boston, even if it was be unofficial. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, let's see. So I went to 16 and then my legs just like dropped off and I walked dog the last 10 miles and then, and still I made it under a 340, which was the women's qualifying time, at least at that time. And was like, huh, imagine if I trained for this. Right, right. What could I do if I trained? <laughs> that was my intro into marathon. So my first unofficial marathon. And then, um, I saw, I saw that my first Boston marathon three months later in, um, in April and, you know, was out there to spectate. I was like, Oh, now I understand. This is pretty amazing. Um, and then, but I waited to join a team, the team till after. And I really just joined the BA because the time worked for me, the research job I was in, like I had to do a VO2 max, max stress test till later on Tuesdays. And they had like in like track practice later on Tuesday. Okay. So it was perfect. And it was like accessible on the bus and stuff like that. So, um, that's what, then I joined. So after I was kind of inspired by the Boston marathon, joined this group that puts it on and then all these great people, like I always have been running, um, and started doing these, you know, you know, Tuesday track workouts. And then, um, they were pretty general throughout the year or people train for different races and things there are tons of races that I probably just ran a lot of races in Boston area. And the new people who were doing that got a sense of where to go and what to do and knowing people going to, you know, going together with them. And yeah, that was just a, a joy. So, so, um, and then having a structure of a track workout every week with people of all ages. I mean, there were people, <laughs> there were people in that group who, um, were in their seventies and had run like a gazillion Boston marathons. So you're just seeing like all these stages and it doesn't, right. even, it doesn't quite matter how you do it. It's like, it was, seem to be more about the longevity of yeah. that going and keeping going with it. No, I love it. That's cool. That, that'd be, yeah, I've never, you know, ran in a super big city and Boston all places. And in the fact that it's just not like one pace, you know, it's like people, all abilities really, I don't know, keeps perspective on things too. So that's awesome. Well, and some other cool things. So in Boston, uh, we, our track practice, were, track pack practices were at MIT. So okay. it sounds kind of cool. They're not great tracks necessarily, but <laughs> it wasn't even that. <laughs> I know the, the, the track really well or the area really well. And then, um, right around the time I was starting PT school. So the research study was ending and I was shifting and I really was just debating, do I want to go get my PhD in an exercise science related field or do I want to get my DPT in physical therapy? And, um, interestingly, the research study I managed 
um, our training program for our participants on, we're on treadmills that were in the PT clinic. Okay. At the medical center. And so then I got to know a lot of the PTs there and I'd shadow some of them as to kind of see what I wanted to do. And, and I, um, felt that one, one, a little clearer looking back to, but one, I, um, felt like it'd be a profession that would have more avenues than mm-hmm. academia where um, if you, you'd have to have a position open in the area you'd want to be, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And I also felt like it would give me a more applicable education of how the body works instead right. of uh, academic thought, just thinking or studying. It's like felt experience with how the body works and observational. And yeah. so I found that to be the, the case. And I'm glad I went that way because yeah. I had a more application oriented understanding of how the body works. Right. And you probably couldn't have went the entrepreneur route as much that way either. So it worked out for you. Long Say that time again? Too. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and then um, backing up, I was talking about, oh, so then right around the time I was, um, I was starting uh, my DPT, I shifted to the elite, um, I think that same summer, I like turned a corner and running. And then started into school and then joined, like got to shift to the elite group that met instead of on Tuesday nights, it was Wednesday nights. So I ran with women who, uh, I was found myself running with women who, oh, well, backing up a little bit. In 2008, the women's Olympic marathon trials were in Boston. So like two blocks away from where I lived. (laughs) (laughs) And then that same summer, so it was in April, that same summer, I was, I remember being in a five mile race. And like neck and neck or maybe beating or passing one of the women who was 11th at the trials, who I knew was a friend and was wow. um, you know, training and in that elite group. So then it was like, kind of, I kind of felt like, how, where, how, I can how do this. this happen? Why isn't she way up there? <laughs> and I started to have this like, oh, I never knew that that would be a possibility for me. And then it's, I really had my kind of sights set on that and wanted to see what I could do, see what my potential was, see where the ceiling was, right? right of what, right. Um, and in times and in um, that. So I really yeah, started looking towards the Olympic marathon trials as kind of a, maybe a, what a milestone to strive for. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. And sometimes it, I think it's crazy, like how sometimes it just takes like, yeah, one person or one race or one experience to really, you know, show us that, oh, maybe I can be here. Cause as we were talking before this, even this podcast started today, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, we are our own, you know, worst enemy. We're holding each other back. And for you to be like, oh, this, she was 11th at the, the trials and I'm running with her, like kind of probably were asking yourself, why not me? Why can't I do this? <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah. Or I'd love to be a part of it together because there's yeah. great women at that time. Right. I will say the times have changed. I mean, the actual running times, the qualifying <laughs> time and right. it was different kind of time than it is now for women in marathon. Right. Um, and so as I've gotten older, the standards keep getting faster and right. it's hard to, to chase that. Yeah. And then the mix of grad school and not wanting to let go of this kind of running dream that felt really important at that time to me um, was its whole kind of animal. Yeah. <laughs> wanting to keep some structure and outlet uh, around school, but it also um, was a lot of stress on my body. Right. That no, I, for sure. And in my late 20s, I probably didn't totally acknowledge um, for what it was and yeah. really eventually led to uh, that burnout that I didn't experience in college. Yeah. And I probably didn't totally recognize or acknowledge as burnout because I was um, so used to being pushed and so used to feeling anxious around school and all those exams <laughs> all the time and all the pressure and you have to like make it, make it work and happen. And then the, the, just the, the stress of, of training on your body and feel, probably, I probably spent a long time overtraining. Yeah, before you actually realize that that's what you were doing. Yeah. So, yeah. so and feeling like I needed it. I think when I look back, I needed it to give me an outlet from all the stress of school, but then it right. has its own stressor. Yeah, it was kind of yeah, covering up probably yeah, the stresses of school and then you didn't notice it right away. So, take me back to when you were um, you know, when you just started talking about where you're like, oh, maybe I could go for, you know, the Olympic trials and started, you know, maybe I could train harder. Where were you at? What year is this or what time frame as far as where you were at in school at this point? 
it was right on the cusp of starting. So 2008 was the, um, was the women's Olympic trials that were in Boston. Okay. And then I started PT school in May of 2008. Okay. Okay. We started with gross anatomy, just a couple classes, but gross anatomy, which is pretty hefty over at Harvard. Um, I, around that time started training with the elite group where we trained at the Harvard track instead of the MIT track. Um, which was a good shift because I'd had a really, um, really hurtful, uh, relationship thing happen around that same time. So there's a lot of like, when I, again, when I look back and piece it out, it's like, oh, a lot of things happened around that same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of life stressors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 2008. And then there I was smack in school and like in like maybe the best fitness of my life. Okay. In way. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then it was, was it the goal that 2012 or like you started setting like, cause then your goal became like, Hey, could I make it to the Olympic trials? Right. Yeah, so I started training with the the BAA elite women's group at Harvard Track, and first of all, I hadn't, um, the first goal of mine was to run a sub three hour marathon, so to, from that point, to that point, I had run a, the first Boston I did, oh, so, I mean, I back up after that Disney one, I, I trained with the group, (laughs) for a year, I ran 2007, Boston Marathon in 312, so that was my first marathon I trained for. I actually trained for, yeah. And then the next one. Yeah, the next year, oh, that next fall, I ran Chicago um, in 2007. The one that was like 90 degrees heat. And it was oh, 90 degrees heat. Yeah, heat yeah. And then a 309. So I was like, that could have been it, but it wasn't. Yes, <laughs> it was yes. Hot. And so I was kind of like, oh, I haven't done it, but I know I can. And then, in, so then 2008, I um, started school and shifted. To, to the elite group and then um it was st- so as you remember like for those of you who don't know the first year of PT school at least in our program was like well, it was just a lot we had like 24 credit hours the first fall semester <laughs> a lot of and changes then, and then shift to school to classroom and then to clinicals so I happened 2008 um oh I had like I had a lot of good races somehow I think because I I don't know what I just was probably I don't probably going off of a lot of other training I'd had, um, right. you know, delayed benefit. And then the next, uh, 2009, I had the, my first, I ran Boston and ran a sub three hour I ran a three fifty or two fifty eight. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. After some injuries. So I had some injuries okay. was, that you're working through back and didn't, could race it, but didn't race to my full potential. Yeah. Um, so, that's what happened in fall in, in Boston, 2008, I ran a 311, but it's after I'd been in the pool for several weeks and right. right. But then I think I wasn't, so I didn't have to recover as much from the race. Cause I couldn't go to my full, you know, effort. Yeah. Ability. And so I was able to kind of pop back into training and racing a little more quickly. Right. No, that makes sense. And then you continue to I'll run competitively until when? when okay. You- yeah. So all the way through school. So <laughs> was that um was that uh two fifty eight and then two thousand ten I got sent off to Michigan for a clinical rotation. I was so upset. I was like, I'm not gonna have my running group. My yeah. school sending me away. It turned out to be the best thing ever. It was such a nurturing at University of Michigan hospital. I um, awesome. such a nurturing environment, like a more Midwestern feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with a couple who. Um, had kids out of college and, and another PT student from uh, Minnesota who was like my long lost brother. And, and I started training, like really methodically there. I had to miss, I came back, I couldn't run the marathon, but I, I came back and ran the 5k for the first or second year they did it. And I was third and ran like a 1730 was fastest 5k I'd run to that That's point. Awesome. Um, so things I, I've noticed in my life when I have a little more structure and I'm not just trying to do everything, things tend to be reflected it's, at least in running it's an easier way to for me to see that um, falls into place a little better <laughs> yeah so then um I was in my PT school internship and ran that next year and just kind of put my head down and trained did a ton of 16 to 20 milers like all summer after that um Michigan experience and ran a 250 was my next marathon okay Awesome. an eight minute PR at, Phil- at Philadelphia in 2010 so it's 10 years ago now which feels like a <laughs> long time and right I, uh, <laughs> and 
And I was, it was so um, exciting uh, how, how that was executed in comparison to some of my other races. So I can talk about that at some point. But then, yeah, so I kept um, training and racing post-collegially. The next year, I was starting to, I think, feel that burnout from, like, injuries and okay. school. And, ooh, and then 2011, I, so the here we're getting close to 2012 trials, yeah. right? And then, yep. like, like, hey, I'm 250. The qualifier was, like, 258, and now it's, like, oh. I mean, two, I'm sorry, 248. And now it's like okay. 246 leading up to right. 2012. And then so 2011, I'd been injured. I was in a clinical rotation um, on my feet a lot, working with a lot of uh, sports and pediatric, um, a sports and pediatric clinic outside of Boston and, um, and studying for the boards. And so there's just a lot of stressful things. And then right. by that fall, I took time before moving back to Colorado to just train and um, trained for California International Marathon as the last chance in late 2011 mm -hmm. for 2012. And then um, I, uh, the bus got lost on the way beforehand. So I was super stressed out, putting my shoes on, on the bus, on the way. But I jumped out, had like 20 minutes to warm up. It was oh my gosh. Super stressful. Yeah, went off. And then just a lot, there were like 40 women there to qualify for the trials. And I was just like caught up in some of the angst and went off a bit too hard and flew up around 16 17 and uh and yeah didn't didn't get it so yeah. and then moved and then kind of started fresh here in boulder and started gave us some time to <clears throat> heal up from that and then started training with the group here and then the thing about boulder colorado even compared to boston in my experience is that it was like it up to the ante so you think boston is a you <laughs> might think boston is a pretty competitive place and all that running but yeah. boulder more <laughs> whole new level <laughs> like more i think more what, focused even like like a lot of a lot of people driving for those high high standards and high achievements yeah um, i could see that and i wanted that i wanted like i love workouts i love training <clears throat> and um was then working with a coach where we were doing like two or three workouts a week not not incredibly high volume um okay. But with all the other things that I was doing, I think all together it led up to um, I found myself continuing to get injured or um, got over fatigued and just couldn't quite or potentially adrenal fatigue and couldn't quite couldn't quite catch up. And by that time I'm 30, 31, okay. 31. So you know I've been at it consistently a right. long time. Not to say I didn't have a lot of injuries. So I had injuries probably every year of my. Something of my running career. Um, and I just was a really great cross trainer. I did a lot of cross training. I oh, that's good. I pool run a lot. Um, now I teach pool running at the gym. <laughs> I've done it before. I can teach you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Workouts in there. Um, but yeah, so I carried on and ha then actually had my, I was still having hopes for the marathon, especially come 2016. Um, that would be the next one, but, um, I think it, it was probably 2013 or 14. I, I just, yeah, I start kept having like foot or I can't even remember at this moment, all the kind of the different things, just but it just felt little. like I was to hurt myself. Yeah. And it was either too frustrating to keep up with my teammates and not be able to, <laughs> or to like not, and feel like I wasn't working towards what I wanted. So I just right. found myself in this no man's land, this frustrated place that I didn't like either. And I didn't like myself there. Yeah it was really hard, um, to think of doing it differently. I want to say. Yeah. When did you finally then when, cause there was a point where you kind of stepped away from running a little bit, right? Or did you step away completely ever? Or did you just start just running for fitness and fun or when did that happen or how did that around, happen? It was around that point. So I was training hard. Oh, I, I'm I, around that time. I ran my fastest 10 K and five K on the road. Okay which was a 17, 18, 5k out in California. Awesome. And, then, and then this, and then some of my teammates had us that's like next weekend to like a mountain trail run, which I hadn't done much of my legs were shot. And then <laughs> more things I don't recommend <laughs> um, to do. But then I, um, what something, a few things shifted. This is probably like 2014 ish. Um, a pop in there that I think it was 2013, the year after I moved here back to Boulder, back to Colorado, the Boston Marathon bombing happened. Oh. And I had teammates from there who, you know, were there and teammates from here and coaches here who were also there. Yeah. Were 
Um, and that was just down the road from where I lived. And right. the course I had did, I'd done a lot of, I was an Adidas ambassador for a while and had done some talks and events and helped out with those right next door to it. So that was like really close to home. Yeah. Um, so I was a year kind of back out in Colorado. Oh, for sure. Kind of crazy. And then um, I think you asked about you asked about something yeah like when did you kind of what when did you kind of throw not throw in the towel but when did you decide to kind of like step back from competitive running and how did that happen and yeah um right so that like fastest 5k 10k seemed to be maybe like the beginning of the end kind of. okay that you happened. had kind of peaked but then you're also burning out kind of at the same time and then I started to notice um that feeling of like I can't I can't go to workouts it's frustrating um for me, it, it happened in, I think it happened in stages. I had to like keep kind of pulling back and pulling back. I found like, okay, I'm not gonna, I don't think it, I, for me, it wasn't one decision. I had a really hard time with that. I kept thinking I'd come back, you know, when I was ready. Okay. But it kind of didn't happen that way. Gotcha. But, but one thing, so it's a little blurry for me. I will yeah. say, so I wasn't training with the, the, the training group I was training with any longer. Um, but I kept thinking I'd come back to it for a while. And then I, but I also met someone who, who introduced me to some like meditation and, um, for lack of a better word, a spiritual path that, that, that drove that. So he, he had books and I just started to like read and they resonated. And I was like, Oh, how interesting. Like it, it gave me perspective on myself as a person for myself, like not from anyone else's experience, but like questioning my own self. And that was a big turning point. And, um, and I was drawn to it kind of like a moth to a flame and kind of like how I was to running. Like I never had to try to get up in the morning to train and similarly have to try to be interested in these books and be interested in going to like teachings and talks and things that help me feel like, I was closer to myself and, and did the hard work of looking closely at like, what is this relationship with running? Oh, and not everyone has that. I'm used to being around a lot of runners who operate in the same way at the same (laughs) high level of thinking of, I want this and kind of starting to question, question my motives, question, why is it? I want that. What does that mean to me? What is, why do I need that to say something about me? Right. And so, um, so in that, that process kind of started around that same time. And so okay. over some years in looking at and letting myself stop. <laughs> and I mean that in a, the true sense that that was probably the hardest thing I've ever, maybe ever had to do. One of the hardest things. Yeah. It's harder than running a marathon for me. It's harder <laughs> than racing a marathon was yep. stopping running. And not just stopping running, I started to see, I'm not just identifying myself. I don't just identify myself as a runner, but as an athlete, an athlete who's motivated, who goes out there and does the hard work. Who am I if I'm not doing that? I had all these Mm -hmm. self judgments around like lazy or, you know, normal or, you know, all this stuff. But I also know I don't necessarily judge. I don't want to be judging other people for different decisions that that they make that might actually be healthier than the ones I was making. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's a lot of good, good points all in one right there for sure. <laughs> a lot of big realizations that I think, I mean, a lot of us come to, not all of us even get the pleasure of coming to, but eventually if we're in the sport long enough, and I think there's a lot to be said with like that identity, even maybe, I don't know if you want to call it identity crisis, but you're kind of mentioning like how much mm-hmm. you, I think this is what you're alluding to, like identifying yourself as a runner and as an athlete and, um, yeah, if you want to expound on that a little bit more, like what, what did it, yeah, what did it really teach you and where are you at now from what you learned from that process? Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember distinctly feeling like I am allowing myself to see what happens if I don't operate under the same pattern mm-hmm. of, I need to go and get up in the morning. And part of that was, so this does kind of coexist with my physical therapy professional um, development too. So the mentor I was working with, I think I resisted some of the things that 
um, as probably many of us do, and as PTs we see too, like resisting the doing what we, what, what we as professionals say is going to be helpful for you. And I kept kind of, I, what I didn't see clearly is I kept doing things that were probably continuing to hurt me, even right. if they didn't seem like it because I was so used to, they weren't hurting me enough. Right. Right. Still <laughs> adding a repetitive strain to the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. I finally had this, I, I finally had to, um, I think I had another like stress reaction problem. Okay. At this point I backed off. I wasn't racing a lot. I was kind of, I think I was kind of hit or miss a little bit more. But I finally went, gosh, this is still a problem. I still hurt. So the longer I go, the more volume I do, the faster I go. <laughs> and something in me like hit home and I went, I need to do what I tell all my patients to do. <laughs> I'm still a human. My body is still a human body. I don't have an elite body that's different. I, you know, there are yeah. some changes and, you know, lifestyle modifications that help, but healing is healing. Right. We speed up the process in certain ways, but what, you know, I think I did have, if I let myself be completely, you know, honest and, and it, you know, in a humble, I'm in a humbled way that, um, I guess that was humbling. It humbled me. It was like, wait, who am I to think that it doesn't work the same way for me and that I could just keep going and running yeah. over? Cause I kept thinking, oh, this little shift is fine. And this little shift is, I'm doing less than I used to. Yeah. Less than I used to is still a lot. Right. And a lot of probably yeah and so I the hardest thing I did the hardest thing I could have done that I, that I hadn't done which was stopping all repetitive lower extremity exercise and I mean no cross training like no biking <laughs> running you know lower body weights I mean it was probably the first time I could remember where I spent a, a week or two weeks where I didn't do like any any exercise exercise <laughs> Yeah. And in my mind from that health exercise science, two degrees in exercise science place, I was like, but that's an exercise that's healthy. Yeah. And it is unless it's hurting you. Right. Yeah. And that, so that's my, that's uh, where I am part of where I am now. But, um, but it's like going through that process and doing the things to a allow my body to rest and recover in a way. I think of all the accumulation I spent through um, through never stopping right through high school, college, post-collegiately grad school, especially PT school, plus running marathon training hard that just took a toll. And then moving to Boulder and upping the level in both yeah. ways. So then I was in business for myself, figuring that out. And then, <laughs> and then stepping into a clinic where I was doing manual therapy for 99% spine patients all day. Yeah. And my body was just like, I can't, you know, can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. I was struggling. I was struggling. And it was hard to admit that I was, again, I was so conditioned to, um, to do, to do. Right. I'll just leave it at that. That's where the, the, what I learned in my inner work mm -hmm. <clears throat> helps me realize there's so much doing in our culture and in my personality. Yeah. yeah. And the, the accumulation of that can be detrimental and less balanced. So what yeah. do I need for balance? I'm used to doing, I want to do, I want to move, I don't want to stop. I need to slow down more. Yeah. I need to stop because my tendency is to go and move and do. And yeah. I found through slowing down and not just slowing up, meditations, other yoga, other ways of slowing down, just inquiry, self-discovery. It's been such a, it's become such a, um, I don't know exciting place to be kind of like right. learning something you're really interested in. Imagine being really interested in yourself and the inner workings of yourself. Yeah. I've learned a lot of psychology through that by through personal experience and witnessing other people and seeing how similar we all are. Um, we just have different flavors of similar problems. Like I have this striving thing and a lot right. of us probably do too, but other people, yeah. it's not that. You know, we're just similar because we like the striving. Mm -hmm. What is this striving all about? What's underneath that? Why am I striving? Am I trying to prove something to myself or am I trying to prove something to someone from yeah. my upbringing? And is that the place to come from? Is it going to drive you to, um, to injury or overtraining? Or, and one thing I found out through both through some of those running experiences and through getting, uh, graduating with a doctor is it didn't make me feel the way I thought it would make me feel. I thought it would feel this huge sense of accomplishment 
especially with yeah. um, that, that terminal degree. <clears throat> and instead I felt like it took so much out of me and from me, from myself and from my, my um, sense of self that I felt like I was starting over. Yeah. Discover no. that. And that might not be a bad thing. Thing was, I hadn't thought about it this way till now, but stopping running and starting over, um, it was so scary because all that <laughs> went through my mind and probably goes through all our minds when we're injured is yep. I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to keep up. I'm going to be behind. Um, everyone right. else is going to be doing all this work and I'm going to have to start over. But it's not, it's actually not like that. And right. I invite you and challenge you when, if, when, and if that arises to find out for yourself. Because yeah. I kind of took this attitude, having the support, that inner work support that I had of, um, of curiosity. What would happen if I did this? What would happen if I stop and just do like take, take an actual break, let my body heal and get baseline health. I got this yep. new understanding of baseline health. Oh, I'm not rushing out the door in the morning to run. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like getting up, meditating, eating breakfast, yep. like making breakfast and sitting down to eat it, <laughs> finding enjoyment. I started painting um, awesome. <laughs> and was like, Oh, I forgot. I used to play music in high school. I <laughs> love music. And I really like musical theater and I kind of knew that, but I never gave, I didn't have any time to explore those areas. In right. Music. All that and time really, was in the running. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I spent so much time running, not just running, but doing all the supplemental things that come with right. running. Right. Yeah. Yep. We also have to strengthen. We also have to lengthen. We also have, I like to say lengthen instead of stretch lengthen and, uh, you know, um, eat really well and you know, all this stuff, but it's, it's a lot, right? It is a lot. So like the yeah. Thing we're kind of, goes up to the top of the screen and then yep <laughs> no I love it that's yeah that's there's a lot of yeah powerful words in there a lot of lessons to be learned and I think a lot of runners definitely you know struggle with that I mean we're a lot of tend to be the high achievers and you know like you were saying the go the go-getters and but sometimes we need to take a step back and ask ourselves why are we even doing this like is this just some like you were saying like something I'm you know, doing for my past or why, yeah, why am I even showing up any, every day? Um, and I think also you had noted on a little bit while back of, you know, coming to a place where for a while you're like, and I think a lot of us can think, oh, we're special, not, not special, but like, oh, we won't get injured or we're not prone to all the issues that even just like you were saying, like my patients are like, they, I tell them to, you know, take a step back, but I don't need to do it. And then, but to get to that point that, that breaking point really. Um, and, and a lot of times it takes that, it takes us burning ourselves out in whatever aspect of life it is, um, to get there. And I mean, I think obviously a lot has been learned from it for you. And also in the time that we're in right now, so we are recording this during the COVID-19 and we're all on, you know, quarantine right now and all of that. And I think it's just interesting because I think a lot of people right now, even if it's not running, are come like realizing, you know, like without having their jobs or not having their source of income, like, you know, how much do, do we put onto these, you know, you know, sources in our life? Like, and how much is that adding to our, our happiness or our, our fake happiness? And that can be similar to running, I think a lot of times too. So I think, I don't know, just kind of relates to, to life a lot too. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I, I think, or I noticed during this really interesting and un, unknown time full of unknown for everybody yep. <laughs> uh, is uh, what I'm finding is how supportive this slowing down and inner work that I've done has been for me. So yeah. uh, meditation and by meditation, I mean, it's simple. It's not out there. It's um, brings down heart rate, blood pressure, saves a lot of medical expenses and is as simple as sitting quietly, but not right. easy. Right. Um, Simple but, but nice. all those things have helped me be uh, able to be closer to myself, my emotions, where it's coming from, and not driven by them. So I can yeah. imagine if I'd stayed on the course I was, being driven by my usual patterns, conditioning, personality, the things I'd known, programming. I, I like, kind of call it programming from running because it's a running program. I was programmed for a very long time right. to just do that. You know, and I loved it. And there's a lot of benefit. I don't mean to, um, but to be driven by that alone and unconscious to it makes it so that you're less, um, choiceful, you know, and you're less, you might not be living to your true potential or your true nature, 
just by being driven by these outer goals and outer interests. And I think what a lot of people might be finding now during this kind of virus crisis, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of um, uh, changes in schedule such that you can't go to the gym, you can't go a lot of places. So staying more at home and seeing what a simpler life might be like. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good thing for a lot of people yeah. to rediscover, maybe it's in their families or in their roles with work or sh their ability to shift into a new territory. And that's all really good. That's all really yeah. good. Not to mean that there's not a lot um, of, of concern right. for people's health and, and the illness itself, but right. in terms of, and, and job losses and all those things, they're hard anyway. But right. at this time with so much collective kind of chaotic energy and yeah, you're, it's, it can feel even harder, but it's making a lot of people that I've talked to anyway, kind of have to take a look, like we can't run away as much. Yep. As we can't we hide from ourselves. <laughs> right. We have to look at those. It's, 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 um, an, uh, just like an injury, just like I went through with kind of, uh, you know, my, my version of a big, big step was like stopping running because I hadn't really or stopping working out because I hadn't really done that <clears throat> and what that would mean so a lot of people are being faced and confronted with some issues that might be perfect for them to see because it's the things that we want to avoid the most right yeah. yep yep it's the things we want to avoid the most that we need to see and you know when we have a bunch of things to go to and work and you know outings and social outings we can hide from them but when they're not there, like it, you know, forces us to face them or when running's not there, like when you're injured, you got to force, you know, it forces us to, to have to face those things. So it, you know, can seem painful, but I think it's a really good thing. And obviously for you, you discover this whole other side of, you know, meditation and, um, all this inner work that you, you could do. And that has really added value to your life. And, you know, it sounds like even made it better than when it was just running. Yeah. Um, a lot of depth, a lot of, um, like, what do I want to say? Oh, substance, a lot of substance to my life and to my person, I might say, um, is what I feel. And also, um, it's led a part of that, that I'll mention is the allowing, like allowing your life to unfold in the way that it is. And a lot of us suffer as humans. We tend to suffer because we resist what's happening because we think yeah. we need to have more control over it and that we are the ones, you know, in charge of, of creating where our life goes and maybe that's true to some degree but it might be a good thing to question all right thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of breaking five a running podcast we hope you are running away with some inspiration tips and actionable items that you can put towards your breaking five moment lastly if you know anyone else with a breaking five moment that doesn't have to actually mean literally breaking five just a breaking five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their breaking five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.